0: This morning we are uh, reading as a church through the Bible, and this whole, not this morning, but you know. <laughs> but uh, in general, we're reading through the Bible as a church. We're going to be finished up in November, but this week we are in the book of Daniel. And I have to say, uh, it, was, it caught me off guard, the book of Daniel. It really did. And I feel as though it read me more than I read it, if you know what I mean. It's a, it's a fascinating book. So if you, if you would like to jump into Bible reading this week, just pull Daniel aside. Uh, an amazing story, some amazing prophecies of things that seem to have not even happened quite yet. But a lot of what's written, written in Revelation, a lot of the things Jesus talked about are based on the book of Daniel. Uh, it's an amazing, amazing book. And it teaches us uh, some things about the world. So trying to pull... Uh, some things from this book that would be helpful to us this morning, and then look at his life and, and see what God would say. There's an amazing thing that God has done, and parenting is just one example of this amazing thing God has done. But in Genesis one and two, and in Psalm eight, we are taught that God's original plan for his creation and you hear this: that humans, under God's ultimate authority would literally exert authority and dominion over the realm in which God's placed them. To take responsibility for a piece of geography, a piece of earth. Um, that in the original garden, uh, God made it very clear that his original intention is for humans to rule the earth under his lordship. It says in Genesis 1:26 to 30, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it, rule over it. Genesis 2, 19-20 continues this theme. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals, all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. Giving someone the Responsibility to name all the animals is the sign of amazing authority that God originally, when he created the world, gave humankind authority over everything and over this realm. It's an amazing thought. And what happened very shortly after God gave this amazing gift? Our first parents in the story of Adam and Eve they, they changed the definition of what was right and wrong when God told them not to eat of the one tree. They changed that definition. And they raised themselves above God's authority. And that is where all the darkness and sin and death crept into our world that we're still suffering through to this day. When humankind takes the beautiful thing that God's given us, authority, dominion, And then they redefine what's right and wrong and then raise themselves above the creator. Everything falls apart. And really, that's what the book of Daniel is all about. Daniel lives through several different kings and time after time, as the kings redefine right and wrong, as they raise themselves above God's authority, uh, they fall. They fall. And the picture is uh, that we are to be like Daniel. We are to be people that are faithful to God that yes, we do have authority to rule and reign on this earth, but it's underneath the authority of the Creator, not all on on ourselves. It's a humble authority that we take uh, very seriously. It's amazing that, you know, since the creation of the world uh, in Genesis, there were other passages that speak of this authority. In Psalms 8, 3 to 8, it says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place... What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the sea. So what's messed up this beautiful plan that God has, that I believe God still has for us, is when men and women who've been given this gift of of taking authority and dominion over their lives immediately forget they're functioning underneath an authority that's on loan from God the Father, the Creator. And this is a a way in which we can certainly relate to the story that we're going to be looking at today. People become uh, undone and messed up whenever they take God's authority Push it down and raise themselves above it. So we live in this tension, where we are supposed to take responsibility and govern our lives, but it's underneath the authority of God. We have to always remain humble, uh, like Daniel. So we're going to take a look at some uh, a survey of the book of Daniel today. Before we do that, I just want to notice a comment that's made about Daniel at the end uh, in Daniel. Daniel ten. Daniel goes to pray for, for his nation, who we are in captivity in Babylon, and he's talking to God and he's just interceding on behalf of his people. Then God says to Daniel, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said, said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. Do not be afraid, verse 19, O man highly esteemed. Peace, be strong. Be strong now. Be strong. And when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Speak, my Lord, since you've given me strength. Um, God, through this entire book, as Daniel stood for him in the midst of a corrupt kingdom and corrupt kings, noticed the humble, submissive uh, way that Daniel exerted the authority God had given him in a place that was outside of his own country. So we start in Daniel 1. And uh, in this section, uh, Babylon had taken over the Israelites, had subdued them and taken them over, and they'd taken the best-looking, most intelligent Uh, youths from Israel and begun the process of working them to become a part of Babylon's kingdom. So basically, God's people under judgment, taken away by this foreign entity, and like any domineering power, takes the best and the brightest and tries to push them uh, into this identity of being Babylonians and taking away their uniquely Israelite identity and God. And uh, one of the things that Daniel and his three friends were pushed to do was to eat the food that was allotted to them by their captors. And this is something that I think would have been um, probably a reasonable request to many people. But because Daniel and his friends respected God's authority over and above everything else, because they humbly accepted it, uh, they made a different choice. It says in Daniel 1.8... But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine and asked the chief official for for permission not to defile himself in this way. Daniel and his friends wanted to keep the law of their God, even though they were in this foreign land. And it's possible this food was sacrificed to idols. So they were wanting to remain faithful to God. And so he did this amazing faith-filled risk. He said, I need to get out of this. Is there any way I can avoid eating this food? And God did this amazing thing in response to Daniel's faith. It says in verse 9, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So the official agreed to this and tested them for ten days. Now hear hear what God did in response to their great faith. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. This amazing, humble-spirited man um, who looked to God as the ultimate authority and took these really risky moves of stepping out in faith and, and doing something according to his conscience and his faith in God, being the Lord, and look how God blessed him in the midst of this culture that did not observe Israel's God to be the true God. So this, this favor that God gave Daniel came in really handy. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and he had a dream that, that uh, the king had a dream that was so disturbing to him that he, he wanted to get it interpreted by somebody. And so he brought all of his wise men of his religion and, and, and the religion of Babylon in to help him with, interpret this troubling dream. And he told them that they had to not only interpret the dream, but tell him what the dream was first, which is really a high-pressure situation. His magician said, what you're asking us to do is impossible. And so, because he was the kind of king that he was, he said everyone needed to be put to death, who was a wise person in the kingdom. When Daniel heard about it, once again, Daniel, our humble um, humble and meek, faith-filled man, uh, in verse 16 he went to, Daniel went to the king, it says, and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, And he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and worshipped him. It's an amazing thing that as Daniel exerted a faith-filled risk in the middle of a very contrary culture and dangerous place, God came through, through for him time and time and time again. In verse 30 it says, As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than other living men, but so that you, O king, may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. This was a dream in verse 36, and now we we will interpret to the king. You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. That's That's authority. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold in the dream. After you, another kingdom will rise inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom out of bronze will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom, yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it. Even as you saw iron mixed with clay, as the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, So the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and gold to pieces. Now, I neglected to read what the dream was, but in this dream, uh, there were four different types of metal in this statue, and the, the statue ended up being smashed apart by a giant boulder and turning into a mountain. And what Daniel is boldly saying to the king is that after all these different kings reign, that God will ultimately be the ruler, and the, and the great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and the interpretation is trustworthy. And the response of the king is to fall prostrate before Daniel and pay him honor and ordering that an offering and incense be presented to him. And the king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you are able to reveal this mystery. So this is now in response to Daniel's submissive uh, yet Bold, faithful moves, this king is now declaring that Daniel's God is the true God. And this is where it gets kind of funny, because in chapter 3, right after King Nebuchadnezzar has this revelation, he decides to make a giant statue of himself, which I think is so funny. Remember, what what takes away the authority from earthly kings is when they exalt their own power and make their own definition of right and wrong, And so, Nebuchadnezzar, after worshiping Daniel's God, says, you know what, that dream was pretty interesting. It's interesting how God's going to destroy all the kingdoms and he's going to be the one that rules over all. I think I'll make a statue of myself. And King Nebuchadnezzar makes an image of gold 90 feet high and 9 feet wide and sets it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, the prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, Magistrates and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O people nations and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold the king Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So you know, you've probably heard this story in Sunday school. Uh, somehow, Daniel was not present with his friends and his friends, uh, his three friends came before the king. And in verse 17, they took this amazing faith-filled risk themselves, this humble faith-filled risk. It says, if we are thrown into the blazing fire, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And at that, they were thrown into the fiery furnace. um, Because of their faith-filled stand. And the amazing thing I want you to notice about what they said was, even if God doesn't deliver us, we still believe in this God. These are people that were so sold on God's authority and power. They were willing to put their money where their mouth was in their little piece of geography. And look what happens in verse 24. They, they heat up the furnace seven times. It's normal temperature. It killed the people that threw them in. But then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Theologians believe this was the Christ in the fire with these men in response to their simple faith to worship God only. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then once again, Nebuchadnezzar says, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. He concluded his uh, little saying here, decreeing that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut to pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other god can save in this way. And the king promotes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So once again, we have this amazing uh, picture of people taking a faith-filled risk to honor their true God and Lord in the midst of a culture that was very uh, against them and opposed to them, even under threat of death, and God coming through in response to that faith. An amazing, amazing story. And once again, the king worshipping their god right at the end. So in in chapter 4 Nebuchadnezzar has a big another big dream and this is what we're going to kind of close with today. In verse chapter 4 verse 4 it says I Nebuchadnezzar was at home in my palace contented and prosperous I had a dream that made me afraid as I was lying in my bed. The images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me so I commanded all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. He is called Belteshazzar after the name of my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its tops touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the beasts of the field found shelter, and the birds of the air lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in my bed, I looked, and there before me was a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, Cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots, bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass from him. The decision is announced by messengers, the holy ones, declared the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of men. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Shazzar, tell me what it means for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me, but you can because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. I think it's interesting that, um, even in the midst of all this proving of Daniel's God, he insists on calling him Belteshazzar, which is a name that honors his, his own gods, and he insists uh, on talking about the spirit of the holy gods being in, in Daniel. It's something he's really committed to. So in verse 19, then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. And Belteshazzar answered, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies, and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the beasts of the field, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds of the air, you, O king, are that tree, you have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. You, O king, saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field while while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dews of heaven. Let him live like the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree the Most High God has issued against my lord, the king. You will be driven away from people, and you will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar and 12 months later as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. He said, Is not this great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? And the words were still on his lips when a voice from heaven came and said, This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people, will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people. He ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven. Till his hair grew like feathers of an eagle "'and his nails like the claws of a bird. "'At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, "'raised my eyes towards heaven, and my sanity was restored. "'Then I praised the Most High. "'I honored and glorified him who lives forever. "'For his dominion is an eternal dominion. "'His kingdom endures from generation to generation. "'All the people of earth are regarded as nothing. "'He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven "'and the people of the earth. "'No one can hold back his hand or say to him, "'What have you done?' Whenever a person, in this case a king, but this could apply to any of us, raises themselves above God in their lives and decides that they are, they are the authority in their lives, whenever a person decides for themselves what is right and wrong and what should be done, that person becomes something like a wild beast in a field. That person moves away from what God created them to be into something grotesque. God created us as Christians, as as his people, to take dominion over the world, underneath his authority. In other words, his definition of right and wrong, his definition of, of, uh, of humbling ourselves before him, and whenever we choose to ignore God and his authority and ignore his commands, you know, we, we become actually less human. You know, that's, that's, that's the parable of the story. You know, we become like a beast of the field. Daniel is a shining example in the midst of this. Made captive by a king, but did not acknowledge God. Um, Having all of his culture, culture taken away, his language, even his name. And in the midst of that, humbly, whenever possible, acknowledging the true authority in his life, the Lord God that he followed. Obeying his commands, even under penalty of death, and putting himself out there in faith to trust God. That's kind of the alternative to becoming a wild beast. So there's large and in charge, and and he was given the mind of a beast uh, because he did not acknowledge God, uh, nor did he believe in God's definition of right and wrong. But Daniel, oppressed by this king, humbles himself, acknowledges the Lord God and his authority, and follows him, even under a threat of death, and God comes through for him. But the, the, the bottom line is loud and clear. Even if God hadn't come through for Daniel or his friends in any of those moments, it wouldn't have changed a thing for them. Because their hearts were so submitted, and so in love with the Father, and with uh, and with His ways, knowing that His authority is a good thing. But what an amazing opportunity! Now, each of us is given a little slice of the world to subdue, to cultivate. You know, it's an amazing thought. But we are to cultivate it, knowing that God is the true authority, and that His ways are the ways that we are to cultivate it, um, in that humble kind of submission to the God. Uh, that we serve. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. ask that you join me in prayer. Father God, we recognize you to be the rightful Lord of the earth. We recognize Jesus Christ, um, that he came in the flesh, that he lived and died and rose again as an example to us. And I pray that we would have hearts that are submissive to you, Father God, that as we consider our little corner of the world and our little piece of geography and, and people and, and place that you've given us, our, the work of our hands, the relationships that we have, that we would cultivate them underneath your authority, in your way, following your, your, your decrees, God. That we become those humble-hearted people who are um, building your kingdom on this earth by recognizing your authority as being supreme. Or that we would become more human, that we would become more fully alive, and, uh, and we'd become people that honor you and glorify you as, as your governors in this earth, Lord. In every relationship, in every family, in every responsibility we have, every space that you give us, Lord, we lift up Jesus and we pray that we would have this heart that submits to you uh, as the rightful king. Pray this in Jesus' name.